Welcome to Tablets Parsha in Progress, where we talk about the Torah portion of the week and why it matters. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year, 18 Holidays, One Wandering Jew. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, head of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we're talking Torah together, not just because the Hebrew Bible is so challenging and relevant today, but because we found that this ancient text comes to life in conversation, especially between two people who practice Judaism very differently. So, hello, Dove. We're today going to be talking about one of the hardest chapters, I think, in Torah, which is the binding of Isaac. Right. And that appears in Parshat Vayera, which is right towards the beginning of uh, Genesis. Chapter 18 is where the story starts. Vayera is in Hebrew, right? What does that mean? And, and he appeared, and God appeared to Abraham. And God appeared to stop him from doing this horrible thing, right? From murdering his son, which any of us who are parents can't fathom. But let's just remind ourselves what is happening here. Abraham has taken his his blessed, precious son um, up to the mountain of Moriah, right? After God tells him, uh, take your your son, your only son, um, Isaac, and offer him up to me as a sacrifice. And he doesn't explain why. Correct. And how do we know he's preparing to do that. He, he goes with a knife and a donkey and... And fire, because the word for sacrifice is burnt offering, actually. So there's actually a fire there as well. And, uh, and he binds him. And it says he raises his hand and he's ready to, uh, to slaughter him. And what happens? Then an angel comes out from heaven and says, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. And he says, don't uh, cast your hand against the child. Uh, and now I know that you are truly God-fearing. And Abraham looks around, and he sees a ram caught in the thicket, and he takes the ram, and he offers it up as a sacrifice in place of his son. So this is obviously a very challenging story for any of us to imagine, like why Judaism would require even a moment like this, uh, a symbol of faith like this. It's too much to ask. What, what could possibly be the positive message to come out of such a disturbing right, story? Right, right. So, um, yeah, I think different people struggle with it in different ways. Um, I think the thing that smacks us in the face nowadays is murder in the name of God. Somebody believing that God has, you know, commanded them to do something, and that justifies not only martyring yourself, but taking somebody else's life. Um, and now that uh, sounds like a suicide bomber exactly, justification. Exactly. So is that the message that the Torah is trying to teach us? That if God speaks to you and says, commit murder in my name, that you're supposed to go ahead and do it? Um, I, I, now, I don't think that that's the point, the, you know, the message of the story. I think the message of the story is meant to be, because God says, take your, 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 your son, your, your only son, the one you love. I think the message is that we should be prepared to give up what is most dear to us to serve God. In the end, it turns out God doesn't want a child. He doesn't want us to take another human life. But how far are we willing to go? Are we willing to really sacrifice to serve God? Is there no part of this that actually was God's way of testing Abraham and saying, I actually want you to defy me. I want you to make the other decision. And this is to, is to actually show you that your agency, that your moral compass matters here, that you should not just blindly follow me. So certainly there are those, you know, that's a con- certainly a contemporary read of it. But that read of it then has Abraham failing the test because Abraham was ready to go through with it. And there Wait, are when def- you say a contemporary read, is that uh, derogatory? Um, 
No, uh, <laughs> it wasn't meant that way. No, but I, but I also um, mean it seriously. But do like I agree with that read? No, I think that that read is, um, you know, is, I think that that read is violates the meaning of the text because the, the angel, you know, the angel appears and says, "Now I know that you're God, sir, that you're truly God fearing because you did not hold your son back from me." So I don't think that you can read it in a way that Abraham failed. He was supposed to not do it. Um, but I think that we have to really own the deep, you know, religious and ethical challenge that the text presents us with. Um, in our liturgy, we, we reference the binding of Isaac multiple times, and the phrase that we use is, the same way Abraham did not hold back that which was most dear to him, God, you should not hold back your compassion, your kindness from us, do good to us because of this merit. And it almost like ignores, you know, or brackets the fact that there was a human life at stake. It's more of a symbol of being willing to give anything to serve God. But that's also kind of, it feels like a facile way to get out of a very hard thing. Like, it, the text is the text. Yeah, I mean, you're, you can't bracket it. I mean, I don't think it's a way out. I think that, that, I think that the text sort of ignores the moral problem, right? And I think we are, are, are really deeply confronted with the moral problem. So I, I wouldn't say it's a way out, but I would say, okay, but you still haven't answered how I, as a contemporary person, you know, or how anybody ever could read this and think this was anything other than murder. Well, so. let me ask you, for someone who has no faith or struggles mm -hmm. with faith, mm -hmm. uh, can, is this story irrelevant to them? Or is there something in it for someone who struggles with God? I, I have to think about that one. You know, if somebody believes in God and believes God is asking them hard things, you know, again, not something violence against another person, but is making the, what their religion is teaching them is making very heavy demands. Or if somebody wants to serve God better, wants to feel closer to God and feels like, you know, maybe I should give a lot of charity. What, what is it that I, you know, I take too much for myself. How can I give things that are important to me to do something? But how would that mean something to somebody when God isn't in the picture? Well, I guess what comes to my mind is, I forget who it was who said that if you don't have anything that you're prepared to die for, then you then you don't have anything you're prepared to live for. Then you know what why what is your life about? And I think that that's something that a lot of us are challenged with nowadays. And what I like also, and I guess what it would mean to me, I am a person of faith, but I know a lot of people who aren't, is a sense of something again, the stakes being that high, uh, that you would actually you would do something that hurts you in a way or is, is certainly inconveniences you. Not that obviously killing your child is more than an inconvenience, but if we're going to take the metaphor, that you actually do something that is not, not necessarily good for you because there's a greater kind of devotion. There's, there's a, a higher um, obligation. Right, and I think if you, if you ask most people, like what is the thing that you would give your life for, I think the first thing most people would say is my family, my kids, you know? And but that's, that's the irony. That I was going to say, it's, it's so like ironic. I'm my children. Right, right, exactly. right. But, um, but yes, I think that, that is, that's, a, that's a really good point, like that the, 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 the power of having something that you're willing to give everything for. Is it ever asked in the Orthodox community or assumed that ultimately your love of God is greater than your love of your children? Um, well... Wow, that's, once again. Um, Let me ask that differently. It's well, a little unfair. Yeah. <laughs> Is it ever dis discussed explicitly and literally mm -hmm. that essentially your devotion to God has to come before your devotion or your love for your children? 
Is that even a conversation that happens? Yeah, I, the conversation that happens. Because ha- yes, of this Parsha. Act, well, not because of this Parsha. I will tell you something that has happened because of this Parsha. But I will say one conversation is, you know, uh, uh, Torah students who would be absent from, Torah scholars who would be absent from their home and shirk their responsibilities to their spouse and their children for the sake of learning Torah. And some sages uh, were okay with that and some deeply condemned it. Uh, Daniel Boyarin actually ha- um, has an article, I think, called Torah as the Other Woman. And uh, so that issue about like love of God, you know, Moshe goes to Mount Sinai, 40 Moses. days. Moses, thank you, separates from his wife. Nobody else, though, you know, is given that license. We're supposed to live, you know, lives in this what world. What about Rabbi Akiva? Didn't he disappear right, to go learn right. so for how many years? 24 years. So that's always the question. Right. Are those held relationship. Up, right, are those held up as models that people should be striving for? People usually meaning men in this case, right? Or that are those hold up as exceptions, but that's not how the Torah really wants us to live our lives. But if you ask me, where was the, where has this been used? Um, I, yeah, where has this been used? You know, the Torah does ask from us, um, or I should say, halacha will, says that there are some things that's we Jewish law. Jewish law. Thank you. There are some things that a Jew is called on to martyr themselves for, um, and the primary one is uh, if you're told, you know, convert or deny God, or I'll kill you, you are supposed to accept death. Um, and um, and Jews have done that throughout history. Some people aren't aware. Christians did that in early Christian history. And, you know, a religion that people aren't willing to die for undermines the whole religion. Um, anyway, so sometimes we're at, you know, halacha, Jewish law will sometimes ask somebody, give up your life rather than give up your faith in God and your and your religion. What happened in the Middle Ages at the time of the Crusades was that in Jewish communities where Jews were afraid that they would be given that challenge and would not be able to withstand it and that their children would be taken and forcibly converted and their children would not have been given that even option, uh, there are stories that parents killed their children to save them from having to be forcefully converted. And there they actually invoked uh, the story of the binding of Isaac. So let's go to our questions. We challenge each other um, each time with a surprise question. Why don't you surprise me first? Um, My question to you is similar to the question you raised at the beginning. But when you confront a text like this, which is so challenging, is your way of dealing with it to somehow historically contextualize it and you could sort of see how this could have worked for people in the past? Um, Or do you sort of ask yourself, what meaning can I get out of this that I can really relate to? And if so, what is that meaning? I would say it's the latter, that I want to see if there's, there's meaning that in some way resonates for me. But I'm also aware that this is the very beginning, right? This is Abraham's, everybody's working it out for the first time, not just Abraham, but God. We've already seen, although we didn't discuss it, God, you know, create humanity and then wipe out humanity with the flood. So I've also kind of, I think, understood that God is learning along the way, uh, as just as, as the patriarchs and the matriarchs are learning. And so in that sense, I'm fascinated just by this being a very early incarnation of what it means to uh, prove you believe, mm-hmm. prove your faith, because... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that God made the right decision here. Um, I'm not sure that that Abraham did either by listening. I shouldn't. I don't think God should have asked it. I don't think Abraham should have should have said yes. But but both did, and so in that sense, um, I am kind of riveted by hmm. by the e- extremes of this story. So you're sort of seeing this in the arc that 
God realizes, you know, got to start the world again, destroys the world. Wait a minute, you know, human beings actually have an evil inclination. I got to figure out a new way of dealing with them. And here it's also, he's making demands and sort of realizing, maybe I don't have to make these demands going forward. That's sort of how you're sort of reading it. And partly because I have evidence. I mean, the the Noah story, he says, well, I'm not, that flood thing, I'm not doing that again. I'm not wiping out humanity again. That's that's big regret after you basically just lost how many you know right. untold numbers of people whom you just created. Right, right. So it, there is kind of a proof text for God wanting a do-over or mm-hmm. saying, I'm not going to repeat that. Right. So it, it makes me think that God is also kind of in the, in the nascent stages of managing mm-hmm. the first Jew, which is Abraham, and maybe he, she hasn't gotten it right. You have said something I think that's very strong, which is... Right. Abraham was listening and hearing God, and God was talking. Right. And suddenly, there was silence. After this event, Mm. after this dramatic, near murder of his child, and after affirming faith exactly the way he was told to, he did everything right, and God stopped talking to him? Right, right. So, yeah, that is great, and thank you for mentioning that, because I think that is something that a lot of people really struggle with. I think some people feel their whole lives God isn't talking to them, and how do you deal with that emptiness if you want God to be talking to you? Your religion might talk to you, but you never feel that that's really God, Um, and how do you go through what your religion or tradition is asking you? And I think that something closer to the Abraham experience is somebody that leads a deeply religious life, and has felt God is talking to them, and then some tragedy happens. They, God forbid, lose a child. Some some real tragedy happens, and and they feel they're not hearing God anymore. Um, so that's, I think, where the challenges that we face nowadays. On that note, we'll be moving on to Jacob in the next episode. We hope you'll join us next time for Parsha in Progress. I'm Abby Pogravin. And I'm Dove Linzer. Nice to talk to you, Dove. Nice talking, Abby. Parsha in Progress is hosted and written by Abby Pogrebin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is edited by Jacob Siegel, produced by Josh Cross, and is executive produced by Tablet Magazine. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.